Welcome to Pickle Me This, the officially unofficial podcast for Rick and Morty on Cartoon Network's Adult Swim. I'm your host, Jim. And I'm Aaron. You can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Today, we're covering Season 2, Episode 4, Total Recall. Here's Aaron with the recap. The Smith House is overran by alien parasites that spread by implanting false memories of themselves into other sentient beings. Rick has to figure out which of the zany, colorful characters is a parasite and which are just Jerry before they escape their home's containment and take over the Earth. All right, Aaron, what would you think of this one? I think it is great. It's like the concept of a clip show where the clips never existed. You got that same uh-huh. kind of like loose feel, but like the cl- a clip show is a bummer because it's 75% recycled content and 25% framing device for that horse shit. You know, oh, yep. Riker got bit by an alien snake and he's regressing through his memories because reasons. Uh, this is all original and it allows them to get even crazier and out there with like playing with themes about like, what if Jerry had a, a was stepping out on his wife with her husband kind of thing. And, mm-hmm. but, it, and, and play around with that without it being too kind of like, uh, impacty to the, the characterizations, um, and kind of just in general color outside the lines even more than they already do. I mean, just and like tinkles and never pass bedtime land. <laughs> I I love that shit. I think it's I think it's hilarious. Um, I don't know that this has as much deep meaning as some of the other episodes, but sure. it is iconic and fun. Like this is mm-hmm. in everybody's top five episodes, uh, if not their top three. What do you think? Yeah, I think it's a it's a nice playground uh, for pr- probably especially Justin to create a bunch of stupid, crazy characters. Mm-hmm. With weird names and just weird concepts, and I bet this was a ton of fun in the writers' room to just sort of riff on. Oh, what what character we can do? Reverse giraffe. I don't know, and it'll be Keith yeah. David. That sounds awesome. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, like you said, it's a ton of fun. Uh, I think there's a little bit of meat to pull off the bones uh, and chew on when it when it comes to like the resolution of this plot. Okay. And how they determine who's real and who isn't, but we'll get there. All right. Uh well where do you where do you want to start on this episode? Uh, Keith David, obviously. Okay. All right, <laughs> Keith David, the iconic voice of Keith David. We've got the uh, yeah Keith Keith David um as Reverse Giraffe. It's funny because I feel like maybe I'm stupid, but that's the one thing that I don't get because Reverse Giraffe or reverse, Keith David. <laughs> reverse Giraffe, Reverse okay. Giraffe, and Keith David. Uh, reverse Giraffe is um. He seems like he's just a neck with legs. Yeah, but his his arms are really high up, or I guess his his front legs are really high up his torso. Right. So that technically makes his neck very short and his body very long. But see, I want I want to hear like, I guess, but I, I I I the long body like the 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 wiener dog style body just reads as a long neck, especially with like sure. the reticulated. You know, honeycomb patterns got and like that mane. It feels like it went like all the way down its back. I'm like, well, that's just the neck, man. That's yeah. So goddamn, yeah. we're really we're really coming out the gates with yeah, this. Your, podcast. Reverse, your reverse draft just really threw me. It didn't match my conception of what a reverse draft looked like. So you know what I have? Asshole. I've never identified harder with Justin Roiland than in this episode. Oh, 
when Rick busts in and he's waving around these Nintendo 3DSs and says like, oh, dude, I got the fucking deal. I got the hookup. I'm going to flip these on eBay. I'll admit to have done that a couple times. Yeah. I mean, every once in a while when you see a market <laughs> failure, you got to jump in there you and You got to, it. like when Toys R Us goes out of business, perhaps. Yeah. You got you to get in there, get those 3DSs. Stock, stock up on that shit. Uh, I, I mentioned in our kind of just general review that I really like that Tinkles and Never Pass Bedtime Land because I'm not too far outside of my experience watching children's entertainment with my very young son, like when they're like between two and three. And I had heavy doses Ugh. of Thomas the Tank Engine. Okay, there were worse. You know, I you actually, do I, I don't, I don't, re- like, uh, thank God, you uh-huh. know, because I also was uh, exposed to the Wiggles briefly. Oh, and, Christ. uh uh, I had to I had to go into a rehab center, <laughs> but um, the thing about the Thomas is like when you buy the DVDs and you'll eventually buy the DVDs and they were DVDs back then, not Blu-rays. Um, they have like a couple episodes, but then they also have some like bonus features, like a musical number. And one of the Thomas, it's I think is Thomas number 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 one or something. Uh, he there's there is a. There's a rap that breaks out in the middle of this thing where this guy and he's he's like a very he's like um, an English rapper, okay. so he's like extra cool. He sounds like a dude from guy, a Guy Ritchie movie that just happens mm-hmm. to rap. So it's like all these different cool things fused together, and he's like not. It's not even a lazy verse, and the beat's kind of fire. And it just this. I feel like the whoever animator or, or set this like had to have seen that because it's exactly like this. This guy comes out of nowhere and starts. Like the talking, talking tough about tanks, man. Yeah. Anyway. All right. I've not seen that that feature at that special. Oh man, I maybe maybe there's only like three parents that their kids are still in the Thomas, and they're like, yeah, I remember that one, Aaron. Yeah. But uh, window into my soul. You know what shocked me is this is the second time in as many episodes that Summer has peed her pants, and it seems to be becoming a thing. Did she pee her pants? What did she pee her pants? Yeah, last episode? yeah. So she pees her pants in the elevator, and Obviously, then in yeah. um, shit, a wrinkle in time, she pees her pants. When when Morty Morty says it, um, after they kind of come back from the the split times, uh huh. Yeah, she pees her pants. Oh, because okay, okay, yeah. Hmm. I, I, I don't know what they're doing. I guess they're making her a summer is p- a pants beer. MCP pants. I mean, so I mean, uh, is that a like is that a coping mechanism for your mom being a raging alcoholic? Because wow, a lot of the flashback sequences here of, I, I the, mean, of the familial pain are pretty brutal. Man, I, I think the best thing in this entire episode is at the very end when Beth runs to the kitchen cabinet and pours wine. Just oh my the animation God. is so amazingly perfect. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> this, yeah. It's just so funny. Uh, oh, let's talk about Mr. Poopy Butthole. Okay. What, how, on a scale of one to 10, how much does it bother you that Mr. Poopy Butthole is an old family friend that's always been in here and he's in the credit sequence and he's also not a parasite? Because it's a one. It doesn't yeah, bother it me. It does not bother me one bit. Like, I'm, I, I give this show permission to just do funny things. And, 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 okay, but here's the thing. Like, we talked a couple episodes ago about how we kind of trust this show not to just fuck with us. This is in the spoiler section. We were evaluating a theory and we're like, oh, one of the reasons we don't believe is because. Uh, you know, they wouldn't like fuck with us that bad. Mm-hmm. This is a little bit of fucking with us. Why do you say that? Because um, 
Is it just the way Mr. Poopy Butthole is introduced? Well, yeah, and it's the whole concept of, like, you know, uh, they insert yourselves in their memory. And I, I will admit that the first time I saw this, I thought they were going with that. Like, Mr. Poopy Butthole is now in the credit sequence, so we as the audience are now infected, too. Uh-huh. You know, and then they kind of invert that when Beth shoots him at the end. Again, I don't, I don't, it doesn't bother me because I'm, uh, uh, I'm I'm a, I'm giving the show slack, but I'm not sure why. Yeah, I, I think the thing that helps in this episode is that everything kind of tracks. Like when Mister yeah, Poopy Butthole yeah, yeah. shows up, he takes them to memories and flashbacks that aren't pleasant. Like getting stuck in an elevator, not super pleasant, right? Getting harassed by a Nazi while you're tied up, and mm-hmm. you know, regardless of how charming Mister Beauregard is, mm-hmm. uh, not a pleasant memory. So like. It's interesting because I think Beth is sort of in the right to look at this and go, hmm, Mr. Poopy Butthole kind of started all this. Yeah. He must be a flashback virus. Yeah. A parasite. But in retrospect, if she thought about it a little bit longer, those weren't positive memories. Therefore, he can't be. Plus, the brief interludes in the credit sequences are in no way you know by and large positive memories people are getting hurt people are getting sure. disintegrated people are being chased by alien monsters and mm-hmm. uh eaten alive so, and he's in all those so yeah i guess you're right that's almost like a reverse foreshadowing yeah i feel like a, a super observant and i'm not saying i am audience uh, member could have sort of deduced that mr booby butthole was real yeah after watching that episode the first time hmm yeah, no, I think you're right, and I, I, I'm not going to call myself that much on the ball, especially my average state when I'm watching Rick and Morty. Uh, <laughs> I love the concept of these guys being like bed bugs and the flashbacks or the mattresses, like just the, uh-huh. like and and how like geometrically they reproduce, like these nested like I, my, some of my favorite sequences are the nested flashbacks that launch other flashbacks and always leads to, like Rick screaming like nah stop he sees it and then like the whole fucking room's full yeah. Uh, yeah, his which, reaction when they zoom out to the Where's Waldo thing yeah, is great. Yeah, no, I thought it's great, and it is a lot of fun to pause and look at all that. And I also love how the show is like um, kind of self-aware mm-hmm. when they're talking about the Hammerai and Cyborg Amish Farmer, and they're like, what is this, 90s Conan? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Is this is this where I point out that our podcast is devolving into Wasn't a Funny Win? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Can, can we much. be that self-aware? <laughs> pretty much. Uh, but there's the, the things that make this work are there's enough kind of like clever hooks where like the people like um there's things you can say about rick himself that seems so unreal in this concept like oh are we supposed to believe a mad scientist inventor landed a flying car in our garage and just came into our lives in the last year it's it's uh and you know we know that rick is like galactically smart but he is it's it's all that he can do in fact he doesn't solve the problem no he doesn't morty is the one that fixes it and that's kind of a neat little humanization moment uh of uh rick as well yeah and the way that morty fixes the problem like realizing oh if i have a bad memory of someone they they can't be a parasite Mm -hmm. uh because parasites can only manufacture positive memories uh I, i feel like says something about people's relationships like they're they're trying to say, look, if you've never seen the bad side of someone, you kind of don't really know them. Yes, they're not true. really a person. Like because everybody everyone has, has to have a bad side, right? I would think so. Yeah, Mister Rogers. I mean, I mean, eh, he's the exception. <laughs> and <laughs> Tom Hanks, exception of course. <laughs> Plus, also turns out if you've seen the documentary, crippling self doubt. True. True. Uh, he had like you know maybe, and even then, it's like uh, you know. 
uh, if you had a dad, would you rather have your dad scream at you every once in a while or a dad put on a puppet on his hand and start talking about his feelings? Like, <laughs> actually, no, the, the latter sounds pretty rad. <laughs> but, you know. It depends. How old am I in this scenario? <laughs> <laughs> it didn't matter. 35, he's still getting King Friday out if he wants, oh, to, if he wants to put his dad voice on. Uh, but but yeah no it's it's you're you really right. ought to be saving more for retirement son yeah <laughs> <laughs> the fuck dad you're gaining some weight boy you know uh <laughs> but sure no that wouldn't be a king he'd, he'd be like what uh, diabetes is a problem in the royal kingdom son <laughs> get your prostate checked <laughs> <laughs> let's go talk you should see daniel about it uh he gets his blood checked every day yeah no that's a, that's that's a great point you have to see someone's ass before you've seen the whole person yeah i think so uh if you don't mr if you don't see the ass you're like the blind man that just feels the elephant's trunk and thinks he's got a snake you yeah. don't know the whole elephant <laughs> until you've worked your way around it's implying the ass is like the bulk of a person it's the it's the it's the thing you see last when you meet him right unless you sneak up from behind and that's not the way a friend that's yeah. not the way a friend acts <laughs> uh mr beauregard i like a lot because he's kind of like a Mr. Mr. Belvedere type, yep. but he's also like a Mrs. Doubtfire yep. type at some point. Yep. And I thought that character was, you know, mostly harmless, but also just funny. Mm -hmm. A lot of these negative memories are just like horrifying. Um, I, and I, sometimes I think it's like, like Rick, which is the most painful memory? Him being doused by a lava monster, him being eaten by a crab, or his grandpa de-pantsing him and shoving him down a full flight of stairs in front of girls in his high school. That was like, a choice one. That's pretty fucking brutal. And then like, I think Morty would say that's the one. Yeah. And then There's like if you're summer, worse. you're coming home and catching your brother masturbating into the kitchen sink. <laughs> yep. And I like how, like, Morty's kind of defensive. Like, you know, I thought you were gone. This, I, I'm not doing this to be creepy. I'm supposed to have the house to myself. I'm 14. <laughs> I masturbate everywhere. And then, like, Summer won't let up. So he finally, like, all right, fine. I'm yeah. going full nuclear. I'm I'm thinking about your friend. <laughs> yep. The, the kick to the balls that Summer delivers is pretty rough. Which So which is the worst scarring memory? Uh, Jerry abandoning Beth to a raving, dangerous, homeless person. Mm-hmm. Uh, Morty, or uh, Summer catching Morty jerking off in the 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 kitchen sink. Summer being forgotten about on her picture day, and her mom giving her a black eye accidentally because she's in a drunken stupor. Which is the is that man? It? I mean, yeah. Like I said, there's just the, the I mean, straight up kick to the balls. Yeah, that's always popular, but I feel like that's tame. Yeah. I feel, that's almost I feel like AFV. Adults... That's wholesome. That's a, that's America's Funniest Video wholesome. Oh, that's true, yeah. <laughs> I feel like the adults are better equipped to deal with, you know, really weird or embarrassing shit happening. Mm. So, like, anything that happens to the kids is de facto going to be worse. Mm. So maybe Summer Catching Morty. Oof. Oof. Because, um, like, Beth is, uh, Beth, I don't know, three days from now is going to forget about that homeless guy. You think so? Yeah. Okay. Or at least stop worrying that she'll be attacked by homeless people in the parking lots. Yeah, I guess if you're right, if you take it, it's like these are young people and these are going to be these are going to yeah. be like def definitional moments in their lives. But that's and... why I said the ball kick was also bad because Morty is mm -hmm. probably going to be paranoid about getting kicked in his balls for the rest of his life. Yeah, you can never let your guard down. Got to <laughs> right. guard that beanbag, son. Yeah. Uh, what must the neighbors think? 
when the Again. when the house goes into full lockdown. Right. And... I mean, I, I'm I'm really warming up to the theory that we're going to find that the Rick Scott just like an anti normie field that just yeah. people can't even see the weird shit, or, or maybe uh, it'd be really hilarious if like uh, the what, however that technology works is people look at it and it just looks like the perfect family, like the yard's always in great shape. And do we even know that they have neighbors? Like, have we seen... Oh, my God. What if Rich replaced the whole block yeah. with simulations just because he knows there might be a 400-foot-wide crater in the street every once in a while? Right. And, you know, it's, it's not that he cares that people would die, but there's questions. There'd be paperwork. Yeah, there's probably a scene somewhere where somebody's walking down the street with a dog or something. Yeah, but if oh, it just like it just like if if you freeze frame frame by frame, like it it glitches like on three different frames. It's like right. imperceptible to the human eye, but if you study it on Blu-ray... Uh, you can you can uh, hit it. Um, everything from Rick, you know, at once Morty cracks the code and Rick reveals his wall of amazing guns. Mm-hmm. Everything from that is just fucking hilarious. Yeah, uh, and must be difficult to animate. Like I was just thinking, <laughs> all of the stuff that like it's not just you've got a it's just not like a video game where you have one type of grunt that you shoot and it's always going to morph into this thing when it dies like they are morphing refrigerator people into these alien parasites and yeah uh ball fondlers and velociraptors and just ghosts and jars the ghost and jar wizards the ghost and jar detail where like uh he empties the ghost out of the jar and then kills the ghost and it turns into two halves of a parasite like Mm -hmm. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. So good. The the animation team is really good. It reminded me of Rick Potion number nine with the Cronenberg stuff and that morphing. I wonder it's but almost more so. Yeah. I wonder if uh, they have like technological assistance or if those those particular animations have to always be kinda, you know, somewhat they've gotta be custom animated, yeah. Yeah, I would think so. I, I thought it's like, man, you can maybe there's a routine where it's like that you know, you just write Could you, be. You, you, you you pay a nerd, you know however much money for 80 hours to do the thing rather than 20 animators mm-hmm. 100 hours a piece and they do it often enough on this show that it'd probably come in yeah handy. yeah probably pay for itself yeah it's like where are these itches we gotta we, we gotta have badass transformational technology maybe if we get someone on the show we can ask them about that because i would be really curious about what like how much software assist and and, and how that really changes the industry uh let me ask you about jerry Okay. And and his relationship with Sleepy Gary. Gary. Uh Beth says it's going to take a while for her to forget about that. So apparently all these memories are going to be kind of with them. And and you said early on, you know, it doesn't do much for like the the story or the characters here, but like now they all have these weird set of memories that they're legitimately not sure what is and isn't real, but they know that they considered them pleasant. Yeah. So, like, Jerry really loved Sleepy Gary Gary, and got it on with him on that Star Wars Tuscany cruise they took. (laughs) Yeah. Which so good like it's so ridiculous i mean but it's maybe like, we'll it's, see chewbacca but i mean you could totally see them doing like oh you know let's do this i go to rent a boat and and mm-hmm. yeah it's oh man the, i just like that sleepy gary's like pants are unbuttoned mm-hmm. when he comes out uh from the cabin uh-huh like gary's got an agenda does he have an agenda or they're just comfortable and doing what comes natural yeah. man yeah that's fair uh it's it's like you see the sun on the hills and mm-hmm. You see the, Chewbacca, the warm on glow, the shore. Chewbacca embracing <laughs> you. Yeah, it's uh, who, what, what, what red blooded American man says no to that? Yeah, 
And so, yeah, I guess Beth is going to have to get over her lost love of Sleepy Gary. Well, what's interesting is like what's interesting is I wonder what Sleepy Gary was to Beth because mm-hmm. it's interesting that he could be two different people. He could be two different things to two different people based on you know. Obviously, it doesn't take me a lot to sell the idea that Beth had a better relationship with Sleepy Gary than she did with Jerry. Oh yeah. Um, but I'm like, I would love. I wish I could have seen her version of like, was it like she did a triple bypass at the Kentucky Derby? And then they flew back on her executive horse jet, and like, what, what, what did that look like for her? What was her Star Wars cruise yeah. in Italy on a catamaran? Good question. Kentucky Derby sounds right. What is your favorite catchphrase out of all of the improv catchphrases? I think it's lick, lick, lick my balls. But really? Yeah. The classic. I like grass tastes bad. Grass tastes <laughs> bad, and that, and although that's the way the news goes, gets a lot of play at our house. Like anytime, yeah, like someone's just said to... something bad, like bad news, but not like devastatingly bad. You know, you wouldn't say this. Like, oh, my mom's in the hospital, and that's the way. It's kind of like, oh God, you know, I was late to work, and somebody cut me off. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah, it, it's pretty similar to what they were trying, ironically, to cement as a catchphrase mm-hmm. earlier in the season with Rick saying, and away we go. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he said it like three times in that first episode. You got to be careful, lick, lick, lick my balls, because you say that like three times and you'll say it all day long. It's it's like a it's like a song to get stuck in your head. Yeah. And I have firsthand, Maybe that's why I like it. firsthand <laughs> evidence that that really annoys the piss out of the people to love you around you. <laughs> All right, now that we've eliminated all the parasites, it's time to take out our portal guns and plot to the future as we open up a portal to Dimension BM-77, accessing behind-the-scenes details, trivia, spoilers for future episodes, a.k.a. the part where we watch all the commentaries and read all the wikis and tell them what we tell you what we learned on them. I thought it was interesting that this is, and a lot of people that are Buffy fans might find this interesting, is that this uh, episode is inspired, I thought it'd be inspired by, like, The Thing. You know, because you got, you know, Keith David and it's very broadly kind of like a a, a funnier version of that. But it's actually inspired by in season five, Michelle Trachtenberg played uh, Dawn, Buffy's sister, who had never Buffy had never had a sister before. And she just shows up and everyone in the cast just goes off with it like she's always been there. Mm -hmm. And then it's revealed that she's actually some other entity and they've hid her in everyone's memories and the show doesn't play it like this, but the writer said that like he found that concept that you could just have these memories embedded and not know it, like very horrifying. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is lurking, something we didn't talk about in the, the broader discussion, but there is something, one of the things that makes this episode work is there's some genuine menace. Like when those blast shields come down and like, you know, you, you think about like what Jerry's brother was trying to do. Oh, I bought you plane tickets to go on this European vacation. Like, clearly, these things were trying to spread as fast and far across the earth as possible, and they was stopped in the nick of time. Yeah, that's like it's 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 it adds just enough tension to where the humor the humor works. Mm-hmm. Really, kudos on the chemistry job there. Fellas. I mean, it's not like a super original concept or anything. Like, this is just a sci-fi trope. I mean, it's been done. I mean, the name of the episode, Total Recall, is mm-hmm. a callback to 
total recall where one of the forms of entertainment was sort of implanting you in memories into your head about a life you hadn't lived yeah and then uh, there's always like an like e- vanilla sky and i mean yeah. th- there's a million different things that explore this concept yeah and there's also like i just watched uh, a next generation episode where picard replaced by a, an alien clone and the whole plot is a crew figuring out that he's not the real picard uh-huh. and it turns out the enterprise is is is, is one somewhat bizarre decision by picard away from mutinying (laughs) (laughs) it's like when you got 43 minutes to tell a story you don't Riker don't give you a lot of slack before he he gets the counselor and the medical officer and they start plotting mutiny he asked for earl gray cold oh my god what the lukewarm that's not our jean luke our jean luke's not lukewarm uh yeah no um but it's like done to the nth degree Mm -hmm. right you know, Paramount didn't have the money to fracture Picard into 20 different, slightly different looking versions of Picard. Paramount had it. They probably just wouldn't spend it. That's true. Yeah. They were they were uh, spending it all and failing at taking over King's Island. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> um, but uh, I also think it was interesting because you heard, like, there's a lot of things that, that were bothered Dan in this episode where it seemed like Justin just kind of like more or less steamrolled. Like, nah, I'm going to go ahead and do my Where's Waldo thing. Nah, I'm going to yep. go ahead and do my Nintendo joke. And, uh, you know, he- I bet he gets steamrolled a lot, so I'm, I'm all for it, Justin. <laughs> do your thing. If, if it means more things that I can so heavily relate to as yeah. like scoring deals on video games, yeah, do it. <laughs> Uh, and he mentioned that, like, one of the things that they learned this season was that, you know, like, they you work so hard on the things that don't bring joy, and the things that do bring joy are just kind of, like, easy. Like, they talk about some of the details they yeah. sweat. Like, for example, uh, one of the things that bothered them is, like, in the first kind of nesting series of events, the like, the being stuck in the elevator, um, you know, cousin, what's his name? Cousin Nikki's the hero of that, but then he's the one in undergoing a joint shared unpleasant experiment experience with Belvedere mm-hmm. uh, or Beauregard. So it's like, that doesn't really, but it's like, you know, fuck it. They could have spent a lot of time to go back and fix that. Yeah. But until I heard that commentary, it never even occurred to me that that's, mm-hmm. you know, and shit. Like I've, I've enjoyed, I've enjoyed television shows where I can, uh, every once in a while I'll see a camera guy in uh, in a windshield right like sometimes like even with all the eyes on it things happen and you know fuck. i just watched a movie where it turns from night to day in about 35 seconds yes and i had no problem with it right yeah yeah if that would be, if that's a hundred thing you had to overlook then yeah. it becomes a problem but when literally the first one is like oh and i didn't even catch it until the 10th 10th viewing uh that's not that's not that's not so bad they, they talked about uh, Dan, uh, like one of the notes that he sent, like a nine page note to Justin about like how strongly he felt about removing this one scene. And Justin sends back, hey, yeah, Dan, I totally get it. But you know what? We'll survive. Yeah. Uh, next time we have a heated argument and bald move, one of us has to try that. <laughs> ah, you know what? You're probably right, but we'll survive. <laughs> no, no, we won't. Uh, at least Dan had the ability to say, yeah, yeah, you're probably right, but still. Uh... <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, d- did you feel like this episode needed tweaking, needed like more of a plot, needed anything like that? Or No. In fact, I wonder, that was one of the other questions I have is like, how do you know when you're a writer, when to bail on a formula? Like if you've got like... Or when you know, you're done with an episode. Well, I don't like, think, I just, it seems like it's it's conventional wisdom that you're not really done. It's just like, ah, yeah. I've, I've, we got to move on because of the schedule. Um, Certainly in this season. Yeah. That's what they were doing. And that's like that any creative process. Like very few people have the luxury to just spend 
an infinite amount of time polishing something until it's the the work of art you want it to be but yeah um we get the the nodules on the rocks the the virus yep, uh, that paid off coming back this episode yeah you can briefly see rick dumping them in the trash quicker than i thought too like i my uh-huh. memory of this uh, season i thought that that was like on a submarine for a couple episodes but really is just uh one so pretty good yeah. continuity there that's supposed to be the the cause of this whole thing and there was a mention of a big secret in rick and morty that mm. they were never going to let the audience in on during yeah. the commentary uh i did a little looking around and it seems like there are two main theories one is that because because they said in an interview somewhere that somebody nailed it on reddit uh, that's what i was in like that's middle of season one ah. and so people have gone back and looked at all the theories from around that time the two prevailing ones are uh rick knows he's in a cartoon and well, okay and, and also morty is not rick's actual grandson he's he's been essentially like cronenberged uh from another world kind hmm. of thing so he um i think in the commentary they essentially copped to like yeah rick knows he's in the television show but like kind of in a fourth wall breaky kind of way like that like that's not sure. really a secret yeah i mean when he looks at the camera and goes that's it season one in the right. bad guys like yeah. yeah he knows he's in a cartoon yeah which is weird. It's kind but of like a But if it was middle of season one Deadpool and you're doing that, either. then maybe... I wonder if they're going to go that where that actually becomes a thing. Like, is Rick going to be dissatisfied with his ratings? Is he going to rant and rave about the, like, the kind of commercials they're running in his slot? Or is it just going to be... you know? I, and also, it's like, I don't know how to reconcile that. What? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think it honestly matters. Like, that's not the huge secret that would blow people's minds. Yeah. I think the latter one is more likely... Yeah. Uh, that Morty is actually not Rick's, you know, C-137 Rick's actual grandson. Is that going to be... I'm trying to think. I mean, you can make anything mind-blowing, right? But if I found that out, I guess I wouldn't... It wouldn't throw me because he's already right. replaced every other piece of his family. And, and, I, and I think the secret was intended to be something they never let the audience in on. Hmm. So I don't know that we'll ever get a definitive answer to that. Yeah, we've all, like, you know, I'm thinking of this last season where... The whole idea of Beth, you know, is she a robot or isn't she a robot and how open-ended that question is. And it's almost kind of like an emotional Rorschach test. Like, what do you, what you think Beth did says as much about you as it does her because, you know, Mm -hmm. she's a kind of a Schrodinger's box. Um, We won't know what she did until next season. If then, like that's... You know, it's funny because now that I'm thinking about it, like, I guess I would be fine with them playing around the idea of Beth being a robot for a couple of seasons. Hmm. And then, like, wouldn't it be cool, like, in season six, if there's, like, some kind of back to the future Beth that comes and she's wearing futuristic clothes and she's got a portal <laughs> gun and... Uh-huh. Oh my God, she's I no I don't I don't know like that it, that would be that would be a lot of fun in a way that like I guess I would not be I I would be genuinely pissed if they did it at Rick and Morty the characters themselves but like Beth is a side enough character and that would be a cool enough possibility for her to kind of achieve her ultimate goals that that'd be kind of an interesting idea. Pickle Me This is distributed by Bald Move in association with Starburns Audio. It's produced by Jason Smith and Scott Porch from Starburns and myself, Manayron, from Bald Move. All music featured on this podcast is from the Rick and Morty soundtrack, available from Sub Pop Records. Please subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. To discover the many other great shows we do, 
please check out baldmove.com and starburns.audio. If you appreciate what we do and want to directly support us, consider joining our club at club.baldmove.com to get access to exclusive bonus audio and video features. Finally, you can follow us on your favorite social media at Bald Move. See you next time.